We do this all the time, but we never get tired of it because the devil hates it and God loves it. So if you have your Bible, you can lift it up. I'm not going to say this. Say, this is my Bible. I believe it is God Almighty in written form. And today, it will enter my heart, my mind, my emotions, and my body, conforming me to the image of Jesus, to the glory of the Father. Amen. Hallelujah. I tell you what, it really is good to see everyone. Uh, This isn't just a traditional uh, Christmas message. I believe there's some things in here for all of us today, all all those listening, watching. Uh, I I believe it's going to be very powerful. Uh, Glory to God. Sometimes we do things just to do things. I I really hate to do that. We're going to share some things I really believe are going to be life-changing, a real blessing. Uh, to start out, go with me to Isaiah 7, 14. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. I love the prophecies. Uh, you know, in the book of Acts, the Bible says that different people, like the Apostle Paul, and there's a man named Apollos, and they led many people to Jesus by just sharing of the prophetic scriptures that Jesus fulfilled. And we're just going to look at three of them. And if you put these three together... The chances of their fulfillment in the context of probability is honestly almost infinite. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. I mean, how much more of a sign can you have than that? And she shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, God Almighty with us on the earth. Ooh, glory to God. Wow. I mean, that's enough just to get you hopping. Amen. And then go with the Isaiah 9, 6. You know, most of us, the book of Isaiah is so powerful. It's a type of the Bible as a whole. There's uh, 66 chapters in Isaiah, 66 books in the Bible. The first 39 chapters of Isaiah have an Old Testament context. There's 39 books in the Old Testament. The next 27 chapters have a New Testament context, prophetically. And of course, there's 27 books in the New Testament. But there's a lot of types in the book of Isaiah itself. But in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and personalize it unto you. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Almighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts, Yahweh Sahabath, will perform this. Wow. Man, that is so powerful. Almighty God in the form of a baby. And it says his zeal will accomplish it. It's been in the heart of God Amen, before time for this to happen. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 says that in Bethlehem, Ephrata, uh, there are two Bethlehems. One was larger and one was smaller. And out of you, amen, the Messiah would come and be born. If you take these three scriptures, Isaiah 7, 14, 9, 6, and Micah 5, 2, I mean, they're just amazing in the context of probability. But heaven and earth came together. Amen. 
you know, I've shared this before, but it bears repetition. Uh, one of the names for God is El Shaddai. It means the God of bread. The God of bread, the God that's more than enough. The God that gives us all that we need. And Jesus is, of course, called the bread of life. Amen? Hallelujah. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life, John 6, 48. And Bethlehem means the city of bread. Glory to God. Beth, Bethel means city of. Hem is the word for, in Hebrew word for bread. So the God of bread sent his son the bread of life. Hallelujah. In the Bethlehem, the city of bread. Amen. I don't think that's a coincidence. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah, Jesus. All right. We're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. Hallelujah. So you can go with me there. Hallelujah, Jesus. But we're going to look at some things that I, I think that will just, mm, Jesus, it's, it's really going to be a, a, a blessing. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Mm. One thing that's really interesting is that, and I wanted to emphasize this, God orchestrates things. He's not caught off guard. You know, God brings things forth in a very orchestrated fashion. Hallelujah. And I want to read something before we enter into Luke 1 and 2 regarding, uh, that's a real blessing. This is a, a track, uh, it's called Holy Bible, Holy True. And most of us know that, like, in our English system, we have the alphabet A to Z, then we have numbers, they're separate. But in the Hebrew and in the Greek, they, they don't have the numbers separate. Uh, every letter stands for a number. And Ivan Penin was a guy, he received a Nobel Prize in mathematics in the late 1800s. And uh, I'm going to read this. I, I, I tell you, it'll increase your faith. It's just really neat. And here's what he came up with, and this is why I received a Nobel Prize. What he did, he took every sentence in the Bible, and all he did was take the numerical values associated with the letters. Every sentence, every paragraph, every chapter is divisible by seven. And what's amazing, it's like it's a trillion to the trillionth power. So let me just, just read this. I think it'll bless you. It says, Ivan Penin found that patterns of prime numbers such as 11, 13, 17, and 23, but especially seven were found in great clusters. He would add up the sum of all numerical values for different words, sentences, paragraphs, passages, and whole books. And he found the same pattern in each of these forms. He found that the number or words in a vocabulary divides by seven. The number of proper, this is the whole Bible, of proper names, this took him years to do this, of proper names, both male and female, divide by seven. The number of words that begin with a vowel divides by seven. Likewise, the number of words that begin with a consonant. The number of letters in a vocabulary divides by seven. And those letters that are vowels and those that are consonants divide by seven. Words that occurred more than once divided by seven. And also words that appeared only once. The number of nouns is divisible by seven. Also the words that are not. Even the number of words beginning with each letter of the alphabet and on and on. So here's some examples I want to read to you. And one of them relates 
to the coming of, to the birth of Jesus. Here's an example from the Old Testament, just the very first sentence in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1.1. That's the way it comes out in English. In the Hebrew, it is exactly seven words. The seven words have exactly 28, four times seven letters. There are three nouns, God, heaven, and earth. Taking the letters of these, substituting their number equivalents and adding them up, you get a, t- a combined total of 777, 111 times 7. There is one Hebrew verb created. Its total numerical value is 203, 29 times 7. The first three words contain the subject with exactly 14, 2 times 7. Likewise, the other four are the object with exactly 14 letters. The Hebrew words for the two objects, heaven and earth, each have seven letters. The values for the first, middle, and last letters in the sentence is 133, 19 times 7. The numerical value of the first and last letters of all the words, 1,393, 199 times 7. You go, it, it goes on and on. The value, the value of the first and last letters and so on. In this verse alone, there are 30 different features of seven. I've listed only 11 of them. The chance of this happening accidentally, this is just one verse, is one in 33 trillion. That's one verse. And now here's an example. We want to look at the New Testament and the genealogy of Jesus. Matthew 1, 1 to 11. 28 words begin with a vowel, four times seven. The remaining 21 with a consonant, three times seven. Seven end with a vowel. 42 with a consonant, 6 times 7. The 49 words have 266 letters, 38 times 7. Out of the 266 letters, 140 are vowels, 20 times 7. 126 are consonants, 18 times 7. Also, of these 49 words, 14 occur only once, 2 times 7. 35 occur more than once, 5 times 7. 42, 6 times 7 are nouns seven or not. These remaining common nouns have exactly 49 letters, seven times seven. Male names occur in all 56 times, eight times seven. The names of only three women appear in the passage, and the Greek letters of their names add up to 14 exactly. Penin said it would have taken Matthew several months, working eight hours a day, to construct the genealogy, even if it were possible. But the names were chosen before Matthew was born. Hallelujah. I shared that because God knew from the foundations of the earth that his son had to die. He knew the genealogy. He knew the place where he would be born. He knew the price that would have to be paid. Amen? Amen. And sometimes, you know, in our own lives, you know, we're, we're human. And we're, so sometimes we say, God, what are you doing? But as we're patient, believe in God and just taking one day at a time to his glory, God will orchestrate what he wants. Amen? Glory to God. We don't want to get ahead of God. We don't want to get behind God. But we need to know he's orchestrating everything that goes on. Hallelujah. Amen? Even from birth. I think that's important to know. Hallelujah, Jesus. And it's really important because in Luke chapter 1, uh, God comes to Zacharias and says that your wife's going to have a child. And he says, Lord, it's too late. 
She's old, I'm old. But God said, what I said is going to come to pass. And because of his unbelief, the angel said he wouldn't talk until the child was born. Of course, John the Baptist. Okay? So let's start in Luke 1.15. It says regarding John the Baptist, He shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. That's interesting. Man. So it goes on to say, you know, talk about this. And go to verse uh, 20. Uh, oh, glory to God. Let's go to verse 26. It says, in the sixth month, because Elizabeth got pregnant, and her six months of pregnancy, we're now in Luke 1, 26, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw the angel, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great. He shall be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man, seeing I'm a virgin? Wow, I mean, you can imagine, you know, what, what's going on here. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost, the third person of Trinity, shall come upon thee in the power of the highest, who just overshadowed thee. And even through his overshadowing glory, therefore, Jesus will come into your womb. We call it the incarnation. And this holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Now, at this time, I don't think Mary's buying this. You know what I'm saying? She's like, wow. You know, put yourself in that situation. And behold, now here's the kicker to help her. He gives a word of knowledge. Words of knowledge are powerful. So Gabriel gives her a word of knowledge. She, he says, behold, thy cousin Elizabeth... She has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who is called uh, barren. So Mary knows for decades, Elizabeth is trying to have a child, it's impossible. So this encourages her, if God can do a miracle in her, amen, God can do a miracle in me. Glory to God. For he says, for with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me, according to thy word. And the second she said that, it was done. Man, we need to believe that and we believe God's word. Amen? And the angel departed from her. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Isn't that amazing? So Mary speaks. John the Baptist picks up in the womb that his Messiah 
is in the womb of Mary. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Glory to Jesus. Wow. Whew. And, and then Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost just comes on her. Wow. I mean, this is amazing stuff. And she spoke with a loud voice as a blessed, uh, this is uh, Elizabeth to Mary, blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And, you know, once is this to me that the mother of my Lord shall come to me. For lo, as soon as thy voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for thou shalt be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Amen. Now, Elizabeth didn't know anything about that, what was told her. But see, because the Holy Ghost is now filling her, she's now in a place of prophesying. Man, we got a lot going on. Amen. And Mary said, my soul does magnify the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Mary needed a Savior. Amen. Mary, I tell you, the one in her womb is her Savior. Glory to God. And then she goes on to say, he's regarding the lowest state of his handmaiden. Behold, from henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed. For that he that is mighty has done great things and holy is his name. Man, she starts praising God and worshiping. Woo, hallelujah. Man. And the whole next verses. Man, it's just amazing. She's just giving glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. All right. Now, let's read some of uh, chapter 2, okay? Hallelujah, Jesus. Mm. Thank you, Lord. In chapter 2, And it came to pass in those days there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And, and verse 3, And they, everyone went to be taxed into his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David, which is about 90 miles away from Nazareth. Which is, that was a long trip for Mary and Joseph because he was of the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger mm, because there was no room in the inn. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came unto them, and the glory of the Lord showed round about them. And they were afraid, sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. Hallelujah. And they boasted abroad the shepherds. Glory to God. And in Luke 2.40 it says the child grew and, and, and became strong in spirit, growing in his spirit, filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. All right. So let's look at a few things here. Amen. Glory to Jesus. One, the angel came to proclaim destiny to Mary. This was destiny. Man, if you would have asked Mary in her wildest dreams that she ever think, I mean that this miracle would happen to her. 
I mean, of course, it wouldn't even be in her mind. You know, before you, you're saved, God, God comes to you and he proclaims destiny. He's proclaiming destiny now. That's what Satan hates. But of course, the greatest destiny was God Almighty coming to the earth in the form of a baby to be our Savior. Wow. This message is entitled, Hallelujah, Just to Be With You. Glory to God. Just to be with you. Hallelujah. Man, he came from heaven. Just to be with you. Because he knew, hallelujah, he had to come. Otherwise, we could never be with him. Glory to God. I love John 14, 3. I, I, I tell you, it's just it's, in the context of the eternal life. It says this. And if I go and prepare a place for you, he's talking about the cross, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. Glory to God. Jesus cannot live without you. That's his heart. He needs you, he needs you to be where he is. And he wants us to need him to be where we are. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Wow. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So when we look at this, the word of knowledge was utilized, and Mary says, be it unto me according to your word. Hallelujah. The second that she said that, the Holy Spirit himself overshadowed her. The Holy Spirit is so powerful. His shadow whoo, created Jesus in the womb. That's why when the Holy Ghost grabbed the hold of Peter, the very shadow was bringing healing. Glory to God. Hallelujah, Jesus. I mean, just, just amazing stuff. Glory to God. But when then Mary, you see that always in her heart, the reason Mary was chosen, man, she was filled with the Word of God. Man, she's quoting the Old Testament, I mean, just like, wow. Man, it's just coming out of her. You know, a lot of times we don't realize our potential until we have to enter in to do something that brings it forth. One of the biggest ploys of the devil is to get us to believe that, that we can't. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'm too shy, I'm too this, I'm too that. Man, I tell you, it's in us and it needs to explode. Amen? Glory to Jesus. So, th- so this is amazing, obviously. It's amazing. And what I love about this, I mean, you could get into so much. Glory to God. Most people believe, theologians, you know, that the shepherds, where they were at, they were only seven miles from Jerusalem. Bethlehem is just seven miles from Jerusalem. And the shepherds, They were raising lambs that would be sacrificed in Jerusalem. Glory to God. Some shepherds raised lambs just for the wool, you know, for different reasons. But these lambs that the shepherds were raising were sacrificial lambs. They had to be without spot. Amen? Otherwise would not be accepted to be offered in Jerusalem. Glory to God. 
Hallelujah. So they understood the power, amen, of a limb. They really did. Glory to God. Now, I don't know if this is tradition, but a lot of people teach this, I, you know, but when they would have the best limbs, they would actually put them in a manger in swaddling clothes just to protect them when they were first born because they were prized limbs. So when they saw Jesus wrapped up, glory to God, they knew exactly, they knew exactly that he was the spotless lamb. Glory to God. God hasn't orchestrated. Now, I, we won't, and then in Luke 2, 40, it said, the child grew strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, grace was upon him. You know, Jesus was born a lamb. But man, as he grew, he became a lion. Amen? Man, he cleaned out the temple. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He was born a lamb, but he became a lion. Amen? Glory to God. He's a lion of the tribe of Judah. So his whole life, he went from a lamb to a lion. But then, in Gethsemane, he let himself become a lamb again, vulnerable to be slaughtered. Jesus. But he's coming back as a lion. Amen? Glory to God. He's coming back as a lion. Amen. All right. Now, I want to share this. How this I mean, it relates to us in regards to salvation. If you read Isaiah 59, and it corresponds to Romans 3, I mean, it shares, the, I mean, just of the sinfulness of man. Because and it shares that there was no other way for salvation to come except through God himself, through Jesus. Verse 16, he saw that there was no man that could bring salvation and wondered there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own right arm, that's Jesus, brought salvation unto him and his righteousness is sustained. If you read all of Isaiah 59, it tell, man, it just shares of you with us of the need for Jesus to come. Very powerful. But what I want to do is I want to relate what happened on the first Christmas to you and I, okay? Glory to Jesus. Go with me to Romans 8, 29. On the first Christmas, Jesus came to Mary. And he used her in an amazing way. Look, read Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestine, give a destiny to. To be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Verse 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. Whom he justified, them he also called. I really believe in my heart. That man, Mary, was a chosen vessel. I believe she was a sinner just like anyone else and needed a savior. That's what we just read. But man, in her heart, she had prepared herself, amen, to be used of God. I believe 
there's a parallel between the first Christmas and in and, and our lives. God, man, before time, through the blood of Jesus, he knew it was going to be shed. The Bible says he's given every one of us a destiny. Mary's destiny was, man, to give birth to Jesus. And who has a destiny? God calls us. But see, God calls you and I before we're saved. Saying you've already been justified. Just as if you've never sinned. But then, it says he also glorified. What's that mean? It means that God has an amazing life ahead of us. To be glorified, just, it means that we've already been healed. We've already been blessed. Man, it's like, man, we're joint heirs with Jesus. We have a life to live out. See, so many people, God is calling them. I know I'm in that category. God calls and calls and calls. How many of us were stubborn? God told us, God told us, God told us, God told us, and we kept closing the door. You know why we closed the door? Because we didn't know what destiny entailed. We thought we were going to lose if we accepted Jesus. I mean, I get this all the time, you know, when we're in campus ministry. Yeah, let me sow my oats, so to speak. Let me do this, and then I'll come to Jesus. Man, there's destiny in Jesus, all right? James 1.18, when we do accept the calling, the Bible says in James 1.18, that we, when we say, be that unto me according to your word, we, God gives birth to us. He gave us birth, James 1.18, through the word of God. Just like when Mary said, be that unto me according to your word, bang, Jesus is in her womb. When you accepted Jesus, the second you accepted him, Bang, you're born again. Glory to God. Let's look at a few things. First of all, can you imagine, seriously, Mary, I love that song, Mary, Did You Know? You have the creator of the universe in your womb. The one who created the universe, God Almighty, is in your womb. Wow. Would that make you special? Yeah. But here's the deal. Go with me to John 3, 3 to 5. When you accept Jesus, here's what's amazing. When people get, they don't understand this. And it's like, I'm not saying that you're Jesus. Like, you know, Jesus is a savior. We need him. But the Bible says this regarding the new birth. In verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Holy of Spirit is spirit. Moreover, not that sin you must be born again. The wind blows where it listeth. You hear the sound thereof, but cannot tell where it goes. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. That wind is talking about here. It's the barak. The, 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 the Hebrew word and the Greek word is commensurate to it. The, the, the breath of God. The Holy Spirit put Jesus in the womb of Mary, translating him from heaven to earth in the form of a baby. Can I tell you something? This is amazing. If you see it, it'll change your life regarding Christmas. The Spirit of God, your spirit was dead. 
And just like the Holy Spirit overshadowed Jesus, the Bible says he breathed into you the breath of life and caused you to be born again. Glory to God. Just like Jesus was in Mary, now he's in you through the Holy Ghost. Uh-oh. Think about that. Obviously, he's not in you physically. Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, people have a hard time receiving God because it's, so, it's supernatural. <laughs> Why is it important? So you know who you are. You've been birthed supernaturally by the same Holy Spirit that put Jesus in the womb. Now, it's different. Jesus always was. Amen? Obviously, you're, Jesus always was from eternity. Obviously, you're not. But you got born again. That was your Christmas. Glory to God. All right. And, and it's very, very powerful when you understand that. Because, see, the Bible says in the book of Colossians, as you receive Christ Jesus, so walk. You receive Jesus through the word of God, James 1.18, through the supernatural. And that's how we need to walk. Glory to God. Hallelujah, Jesus. And the exciting thing is, man couldn't get you born again. Religion can't get you born again. Your good works can't get you born again. The only thing that could get you born again is the blood that was shed for you and the Spirit of God that caused you to be. Wow. That differentiates you from a religious person. Amen? Glory to God. I know this is strong. Someone says, hey, this is Christmas. Don't get too heavy. I know it's Christmas. Christmas is heavy. Amen? Glory to God. All right? But this is exciting. See, again, it's not about religion. Religion can't bring forth birth. Religion can't make the Holy Spirit do something. The only thing that can enable the Holy Spirit to cause someone to be born again is Jesus coming to the earth. Jesus living the life that he did. A perfect life. Jesus dying. Jesus rising. That's the only thing that gives the Holy Spirit the legal right and cause you to be born again. Because when he rose, mm, you rose with him. And glory to God, now he has a legal right. Okay? I know this is strong. But let's look at this. Heaven came to earth. Probably the, the most difficult thing as a Christian Heaven we see is way, way far away, and it is in one way. And earth is here. And everybody's like, when I get to heaven, everything will be okay. And that's, you know, that's good. But the Bible says in Mark 1, 13 and 14, the gospel is the gospel of the kingdom of heaven coming to earth. When I read Jesus being put in the womb of Mary, you know what it does to me? 
It tells me that heaven and earth are not separate, but now they're together. Jesus forsook heaven to come and be in the womb of Mary to live and to die so heaven and earth could be one. So he could be so close to you, even live in you through the Spirit of God. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Rahab, who's part of the genealogy of Jesus, we all know she was a prostitute. But she got saved. You know, some people can be living a wrong lifestyle and in their heart crying out for God. That's why you need to be careful not to judge people. They might be on heroin. They might be in prison. They might be living a life that's not good. But inside, their heart can be crying out for Jesus. This woman was a prostitute. But Jesus came to her. Jesus not only came to her, he said, I want to come through your bloodline. Why would he come through her bloodline? Because she had a heart after God. Who knows why she entered into that? She's like a trafficking victim of today. I don't know. But Rahab says something awesome in Joshua 2. Man, when the two spies were sent out from Joshua, he learned something. Moses sent out 12 spies. Amen. Only two had a good report. He says, why don't I just send out two? <laughs> I don't have a good report. And when they came back, he said, we're not going to do it like with Moses. You just talk to the congregation. He said, you talk to me, and I'll, I'll tell them what I want to tell them. Amen. But here's what Rahab said. She said, since I heard of the Red Sea being split, since I heard of the mighty acts of God, my heart was crying out for this God. She's, she says, you're God. Your God is the God of heaven and earth. She had a revelation in that state as a harlot that most of the church doesn't have today. How'd she get it? She was crying out for truth. And those two spies said, you know what? Put a thread of scarlet over here. That's the blood of Jesus. And when this place is judged, you and your house will be saved. She not only got saved, she got on fire for God. She became a friend of God. She became a daughter of God. And Jesus said, you know what? Whew. I mean, Father God probably turned to Jesus, amen, and said, I want you coming through her bloodline. Not the Levite priest, not the Pharisee, not the Sadducee, not the religious person. We're coming through her. Woo, glory. <laughs> Amen. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Go with me if you would to 1 John 3, 8. Jesus again became a lion. 1 John 3, 8. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 1 John 3, 8. It says, he that commits sin, that's habitually 
is of the devil, and the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. That means when you read verse 9, it's talking about the evil nature he destroyed. And when he was here, everything he did was to destroy the works of the devil. Glory to God. You know, the Bible says that Jesus is our shepherd in the way that, you know, we are lambs, you know, in the context, you know, metaphorically. You know, he relates us as a lamb. A, a lamb, I have a friend that raises lambs. He, he's a really good guy. Maybe he's just sharing different things. And uh, he actually, he says, uh, there's special lambs. When they're born, he actually takes it to his house. He's a farmhouse. And uh, anyways, but uh, he said, you know, a lamb lacks equilibrium. When a lamb falls, it has a hard time getting up. That's why the shepherd has that hook on his staff, right? He just hooks him and picks him up. Amen. It just shows us how much we need the shepherd. Amen? And we're lambs. You know, when you're born, again, the Bible says in 1 Peter, you need the milk of the word. Amen? Just like a little lamb does. But the Bible says we begin to grow. That little lamb turns into a a bigger lamb. Glory to God. With us, we go from milk, first, uh, first Peter, to Hebrews 6, to, to meat. Amen? That's where we should go. I tell people all the time, I do not have a hard time giving milk to people in the spiritual nursery that just got saved. I don't have a problem time with that. But when you have to part somebody's mustache to get the bottle in, we got a problem. Amen? It's time that we grow up. Amen? But here's the deal, guys. The devil will do everything he can to keep you in an infantile state. A friend of mine, uh, Mark Eppert, who helped disciple me, he has a ministry, very large ministry, Southeast Asian Prayer Center. Uh, he's in Indonesia, good friends with Kathy now, him and his wife. And he wrote a book. And I, based on this vision, he was sharing it with me. And he said, you know what? The devil, he still thinks you're a lamb. You ever hear a wolf in sheep's clothing, right, to, to bring harm to the sheep? He said, man, the devil sees you. And he's like, I can destroy you. Just like when he attacked, remember the, with David, the lion, attacked, the bear attacked him. But he says, man, as we grow, we become a lion like Jesus. He said, we become attack lambs. Amen? Attack lambs. Glory to God. The devil, he's like, man, you know what? You struggle with familiar sin, he doesn't realize you overcame it. He sees you, yeah, he sees your past. He doesn't realize that you've been forgiven because he's deceived. Man, he sees your inabilities in certain things. He's like, man, I can devour that. He doesn't understand how strong we are. And you're, you're just this little lamb. Bah, bah, bah. And he, he's just coming up, getting closer and closer to you to harm you. Bah, bah. This is a better one. Amen. 
and he's near you. And he's going to hurt you, bring harm to you. And all of a sudden, bang! The lion. Because you're not just a lamb. You're a lamb. Glory to God. You're a lion in sheep's clothing. You're an attack lamb. Amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Someone says, that's worth coming to church to see Pastor Mike's do the, you know, impersonate a lamb. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I can just see it. It's a great message and what we have on Facebook is probably the impersonation of the lamb. Amen. Amen. Right, so let's look at a few things as we close. Hebrews chapter 2. Let's go there. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Mm, hallelujah. Thank you so much, Jesus. Wow. In verse 9, it talks about Jesus suffering death, crowned with glory and honor. By the grace of God, tasting death for every man. He tasted death. Hmm. For it became him, or now in Hebrews 2.10, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons unto glory. Hmm. To make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifies, it's of course Jesus, and they who are sanctified are all of one Father. For which reason he's not ashamed to call them his brothers. Now, this is hardly ever preached because people don't understand it. Jesus is our God, our Savior, our Lord. Amen. How can he be our brother? Because the same Holy Ghost the, mm, the breath of life that went into Adam in Genesis 2-7 that produced the image of God was breathed in to you and I when we were born again. 1 John 3, 9 in the Amplified says that we've been born, we've been given the image of God. The New English Version says we've been given the DNA of God. Now, through the, in our spirit, through the Holy Ghost, now, we're not talking about being some little God, omniscient, omnipresent, amen, omnipotent. We're talking about relationship. So this is amazing. That's what it says in Romans 8, 29. God's greatest desire is for us to be conformed to the image of Jesus. So he might be the firstborn among many, what? Brethren. It's a crazy verse. What's it talking about? That's what the fruits of the Spirit are about, aren't they? Love, faith, faithfulness, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, self-control, discipline. Wow. That's the character of Jesus. 
the character of Jesus, nine fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, right? Nine gifts. They're not something that we try to get. They're not something we try to copy. They're who we are. The love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. How? By the Holy Ghost. Here's a theme, isn't it? Man, when the angel talked to Elizabeth, talked talk through Elizabeth, talked to Mary, and talked to Zacharias, man, it was about the Holy Ghost. Now, yeah, your wife's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. This child's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost from the womb. The Holy Ghost will overshadow. Wow. And because this child, Jesus, God Almighty, Almighty God, is now in the womb. Woo! Heaven's come to earth. But because that child grew up, because that child lived a perfect life, because that child was whipped, defaced, buried, plucked out, crucified, became sin, separated from the Father. Whew! That child has now given us a life Locking under his own. Wow. See, wow, it's amazing. It's amazing. You've been born of incorruptible seed. Incorruptible seed. Well, what's incorruptible seed produce? That which is amazing through the Holy Ghost. In, in, and you're born again spirit. So the love of God, the love of God shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost is not any different than the love that caused the Father to send the Son. It's not any different than the love that caused Jesus to be crucified. The faith that you and I have received through the new birth, Romans 12, 3, receiving the measure of faith. The faith of Jesus. How can you do the works that Jesus did without the faith Jesus had? Now, Jesus had faith in himself because he was righteous. Our faith is in him. Amen? That's the difference. But it's his love. It's his faith. It's his wisdom. Why is that? So he could be close to you. He didn't give you a religious counterfeit. He gave you himself. He came so his life could become our life. He's the vine. We're the branches. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Wow. And I love Hebrews 4. We'll share this and we're going to share an ending of a song about third day. It says, seeing then we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession and profession. 
For we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we were, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of our need. When we're struggling with something, the Holy Ghost gives us a revelation of the word to stand on. We confess that word. It touches the heart of Jesus. And the Holy Ghost infuses the life of Jesus, commensurate with our need. It's amazing. Jesus came for one reason. Jesus died for one reason. Jesus rose for one reason. Just to be with you. Just to be with you. Just to be with you. That's Christmas. He forsook heaven. Just to be with you. He lived his life 33 years to be with you. He died and rose just to be with you. That's what life's about. Just saying, God, my life, what satisfies me most is just being with you. Just to be with you and with me. He gave up his only son. Jesus gave up heaven. He'll do anything to be with you. He gave it all. And he's saying to us, will you just give me yourself so you can be with me? If you're unsaved, just say, Jesus, I want to be with you. Forgive me. Come into my life. For those of us here, the same love that says, I give up everything. And he did. The Holy Spirit's now in you. In that same spirit, to strengthen you, love you, comfort you, laugh you. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that Christmas is you wanting to be with us to the point that you came, that you gave your only begotten son, God. Thank you. Let's just take a second just to thank him right now. Hallelujah. What a passion. His greatest passion isn't to use you. It's to be with you. His greatest desire it's just for you and me to want to be with him more than anything else or anyone else. That's our present to him. That's the greatest present you can give him. Whew, Jesus. I tell you, whew, wow. Merry Christmas, amen. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Uh, Betty, I'm going to ask you to come up and pray. And Simone, after she prays, I'm going to ask you to come up. I tell you, I don't know about you. I, as they're coming up to pray, I'm going to ask her to come in and you after. I, I saw the name Gary. I saw somebody that was adopted. 
and you're struggling with that adoption, I want to let you know God has adopted you. And that's, that dad, that mom, they love you. And you're loved as much as anybody ever will be. I don't know who you are, but receive that, please. And I saw the last name Green. Green. Okay. But Betty, I'm going to ask you to pray in Simone. And then if you have a need, just come up. Amen. Hallelujah. Just come up. Hallelujah. Righteous Father, just praise you and thank you for this word today. Just to know, Father, that you just want to be with us. Help us to receive that, Father. Help us to take that into the depth of our being, the truth of that, the wholeness of that. It's one thing to hear the message and say, yes, Lord, I agree. And it's another thing to go out from here into the world and keep it and put it into action. God, I thank you for your power. I thank you for your strength. I thank you for your love. I thank you for everything about you, Father. And Lord, there's just no place like being in your presence, fellowshipping in church, but not even as much, Father, the fellowship with the other believers, but just being in your presence. Father, I just thank you and praise you for everything you stand for, everything you've done, everything you're doing, and everything you will continue to do until you call us home or Jesus comes back. Heaven on earth, here, right now, and always, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for such a strong, such a good word. And it really registers in our hearts. I just speak over the congregation. Something that the Lord's been sharing with me is holiday is a time of family. It's a time of gathering together. But we won't always have family. And sometimes there will be empty places there.